Well, you can take your Bible, turn back over to Luke chapter 13. I'm, I, I'm, this is uh, all we're going to do is gnaw on the bone a little bit tonight. I got a couple of things I'd like to say, but I'd like to just go a little further. Uh, we started this morning in 13. He said. He said, uh, I've washed your feet. And he says, in 16, verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. And if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. What he said is, a servant's heart. I'm sorry? Luke 13. I'm in John. I'm in John. Did I say Luke? Okay. Yeah. Y'all don't confuse me. All right. Let's just get, I'll just wait on you. I'm here. Okay. And then he says, he has just washed her feet. He said, you call me Master and Lord, I'm in 13. You say, well, for so I am. If I then be your uh, Lord and Master, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. There's There's no big eyes here. Every one of us, are just servants to each other. We could go over to Hebrews chapter 10. You, we always quote the verse, forsake not the assembly and self together. But you ought to read the rest of that verse. What it says in the rest of the verse is, you're your servant to everybody here. And if you do not fill your spot, somebody here will miss a blessing because you we're not in the service to be their servant. And he says, as you see these things, do, as you see the time approach, that this end time approach, then do it much more. Do it more. So, he, he said then, if I have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash other feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture might be fulfilled. I've got that underlined in my Bible, and uh, everything he does, he does that the Scripture might be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. This morning I talked about the sop and the gravy. And, all, and uh, over in Mark he says, in this parallel verse here, he says, he that dips his hand in the dish with me. Apparently, the, the gravy was in the common dish 
everybody. Have you ever been to Mexico and ate at one of the one of these places where they don't have silverware? Everybody eats with a tortilla. You, I know Bruce and Proby know about that. And so there's the dish there, and and I went to a restaurant with a couple of guys. I'd never had experienced it, but we went to the restaurant, and they brought a stack of they brought a some kind of dish, and I can't remember what it was, and some tortillas, and they just began tearing the tortillas up and dipping and eating out of, out of the common dish. And that's what this sop is all about. The bread is broken and handed to each, each person gets some bread, and then they begin to dip in the dish. The honored guest gets to dip that piece, that sop that is handed to him by the host. And so uh, here he says, he that eateth bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. It's not a surprise to Jesus. He knew before he came that he would, what he faced. He's lived all of his days counting the time until his hour is come. He's already been to Gethsemane and prayed. Well, no, he had. He's going to leave here and go to Gethsemane and pray. And he's going to ask the Lord there to take this cup from me. And then he's going to surrender his whole will to God's whole will. Uh, I tell you before it come to pass that ye may believe that I am he. He's talking to his disciples. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And really, here's where my text starts for the message. That's all preliminaries to set the scene. When Jesus had thus said... He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask it, ask who it should be of whom he spake. Way back over in the back end of John, John's going to say, if you want to know who wrote this book, there was, a, there was a young fellow leaning on his breast. When, and he, he was the disciple that Jesus loved. And if you want to know uh, what he said, I'll tell you, because I'm a firsthand witness. I'm an eyewitness. Peter's going to say, we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. I love it. I love this fact that this New Testament is written. You ought to get it down in your heart. This New Testament is written either by firsthand eyewitnesses of Christ or by those who were very close to the there's two books that were not written by eyewitnesses, but were written by those who, who were 
close associates of the first Mark, the book of Mark, written by John Mark, who was a prodigy of Peter. He had been, he'd been with Paul and Barnabas, but Peter discipled him. And, and then there's the book of Luke, who was the, that personal physician of Paul. And if you read the book of Acts, you, you see those uh, me, me passages where, where he talks about, and the we passages where he, where he just, he's, he's writing about Paul's journey, and then he says, and then we departed. And he he joined the he's a, he was a first hand he and Paul traveled together. <clears throat> so uh, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I just love it. I, it just adds to the adds to the confidence we can have in Scripture that I, that we have the Scripture, we have the very words of the eyewitnesses of Christ. And Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I've dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. After the sop, Satan entered into him, then said Jesus unto him, What thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. And he then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Therefore, I believe I'll stop reading right there. I believe I'll just stop there. This morning we wore that sop out. What I'd like to deal with tonight is Judas' rejection of Christ. And look at some of the ramifications of that with you. Uh, in verse 26 and 7, he says, I'll give him the sop, after the sop. Now, I've, now we've preached all this this morning. All, all Judas had to say was, don't give me the sop. Give me, give me yourself. Let me be saved. Don't, don't condemn me to hell when I take that sop. That's all he had to say. I wonder how many times we, even we as Christians sometimes take the sop. Of course, not to the extent. You can't ever take the sop to, to, and lose your salvation. I'm not saying that. But sometimes we underestimate the value of Jesus, don't we? Sometimes we, we I, 
I, I said this in a meeting last week and I had to answer questions after the service, but if you look at these if you look at these last two days of Jesus' life, the disciples did not understand one thing he had taught them, apparently. Not a one of them understood that he had to go to the cross. Now, Peter's going to get in his face right here at this, at this moment and say, no. He's already said, don't wash my feet. I'll, and he said, he said if, you, if I don't wash your feet, you have none of me. Then he said, wash my, me from my head. That, and, he, and, and Jesus said, and we, it's doctrine. This is Bible doctrine. You don't need to be washed in your head and heart anymore. It's just your feet that are, you, you're clean but not all. That's what he said. And you and I never have to go back to Calvary again. But we do need to come to Jesus again and again and again and let him take the water of the word and give us a fresh scrubbing and get us back in shape for service as servants he needs to wash our feet regularly and we need to wash each other's feet if our brother's walking down a dirty road and we know it we need to go to him and help him But most of us are like these disciples. We've missed the significance so much of the time of who we really are and what Christ has done for us and what heights he could take us to if we would just take him as he comes to us. Who knows, Pilate might have been a writer of the New Testament. I mean, not Pilate. Judas might have been a writer of the New Testament had he just been saved. Who knows? He had been chosen. So, the value and the rejection. See, he played the role... You look at 26 and 7, he played in a role. He is still playing the role. Everybody there thinks that's the officer of the disciple band. And he is carrying the bag to do some important business that none of us are worthy to do, right? And he was content to let them think that. He was content to take the sop and... Then Jesus said, uh, that thou doest do quickly. Verse 2 said, the devil having now put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. I would urge you, if you're interested Read every one of the Gospels as it relates to these verses. See the whole Gospel picture. Matthew gives you a picture, Mark gives you a picture, and Luke gives you a picture. See the whole picture. 
But see that what is the great enemy of the work of God in the church today? P R I D E. What is the great enemy in my heart when it comes to the work of God today? Pride. That was the battle that went on back there on that pew back there with that guy in the black shirt that turned pink this morning. It wasn't a battle with anybody here. It was a battle with his own pride. I mean, since he's a 10-year-old boy, he's been saying, I've been saved. And I, he's already apologized to me for, for deceiving me. You don't need to apologize to anybody, brother. We all praying. We're just shouting a victory because there's a new name written down in glory. That battle was in, inside of you. We didn't fight that battle, but you did. And, and somehow, by the grace of God, a 77-year-old man who's been claiming to be saved since 10 years old got saved today. That takes overcoming pride. That takes, a, that takes someone who, who surrenders himself to the Lord. That's the only way you can do that. But by the grace of God, that long-suffering God for 67 years has kept extending this invitation and kept offering a sop. And one by one, he took the sop. We all have, haven't we? We've ate ate a few sops that we wish we hadn't have ate. And now we we would like to get back to that place of holding our own sock, dipping our hand in the dish with the Savior and enjoying the fellowship of our Savior. That's what, it's a fellowship meal. That's the Lord's Supper. The fellowship meal. It's not a priest doling out something. It's, It's the fellowship of the believer with the Savior who offers his broken body and his own blood for our salvation. What an opportunity we have. And you don't have to wait till Lord's Supper time. You don't have to wait till we have the Lord's table. You can can enjoy a fellowship meal with Jesus just about any time. Somewhere in our Sunday school this morning, we read 1 John, and 1 John said that if you say you love me and you don't do what I do, you're a liar, and you don't tell the truth. It was something like that, wasn't it, brother? And we, all, we probably all have to confess there's been some times we say we love him and we don't do what he's telling us to do. And we've lied about our testimony. But thank God it's, it's a merciful God who just keeps drawing us back to himself. 
He loves us. He loves every individual one of us as ourselves. So, he played the role he could have chosen, but verse 20, uh, Luke 22, verse 4 says this. Now I'm going to Luke this time. You don't have to go there, but I want to read you a verse. Luke 22, 4 says, Then, verse 3 says, Then entered Satan into Jesus, Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being the, of the number of the twelve. And listen to this. And he went his way. So Judas went his way. He went... Here in our verse it says, When he received the sop, he went immediately out. Understand it? When it says he went out, wouldn't you like to be in there at the Lord's Supper when the Lord washed the feet of the disciples? Wouldn't you like to be in there when after he put his robe back on and he began to pray and and offer uh, the truths of salvation to his disciples? Wouldn't you like to have been there at the fellowship where you could have laid your head over on his chest and heard him heard the heartbeat of Jesus for yourself? But he went out. He said, I'm not staying in the fellowship. I'm leaving the fellowship of the family of God. I'm walking out. Somebody told me today they didn't feel accepted in the church. Open your, open your arms and your heart. And be honest with God and honest with this church. And let this church love you. Everybody here is not right. Everybody here won't be rushing. But there's somebody, God's got somebody here that will help you in your walk with the Lord. That's what church is all about. Don't ever think this church does not care about you. There's saved, spirit-filled folks here that care about you. And you can find the fellowship of God right here in this place if you'll seek it. Not the building, but in the hearts of these. I think about, I'm not going to call names, but I think about some some of the... uh, Some of the ones who, Susie and I came here as strangers. And we became a part of this place. And it's a part of us. Brother, Brother C.R. 
that old man, he's always talking about how long he's been here. Some of us are Johnny-come-latelys, but we liked it here anyway, right? In the, in the fellowship of the people of God. But he went out. Hey, when Satan tempts you, the worst thing you can do is go out. That's the very worst thing you can do. If you want, if you want to be right with God, stay in the fellowship of the believers. That Shulamite girl in the Song of Solomon said, How am I going to find you when you feed your sheep? She's asked the shepherd, How am I going to find you when you feed your sheep at noon? He said, If you don't know where to find me, follow the footsteps of the flock. There's some footsteps around here. There's some folks that have went on before us and left a few footprints. And... And the worst damage we could do to ourselves as a Christian is to go out. He left the church. He left the, he left the family of God. He went out. Luke 22 said he went his way. I believe that's probably the, sin, the besetting sin of America. Everybody wants his way. Hey, the, the mark of, of real Christians is forsaking my way to go with him his way. John said again over in 1 John... Here's the sin that separates us in fellowship. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. That's the basis of every bit of the fellowship. Over in John chapter 1, the Bible says that He, Jesus, verse number uh, for in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 7, John, uh, John came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. 8, he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world. The world was made by him. The world knew him not. He came his own. His own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John chapter 3. He says in verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The word is born from above, regenerated from above. The word is anothen. That word anothen is used all through the New Testament. It means from another, from, from above. That's what the, that's the definition. And 
when he says born, that word is genaho, which means a generator. We get our word generator or regenerated. And then, but it's not something you can do in yourself. It's from above. You must be regenerated, born again, regenerated from above. It's a work of God in us. So, uh, over in uh, verse 19, 18 says, uh, He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already because he had not, he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Listen to this. That light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest. Over to eight, chapter 8 of John, verse number 12. Jesus said, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I believe it's in chapter 12, verse 46. I am come a light unto the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, that word of light, that same day shall judge him in the last day. I, I, uh, so, in chapter 13, verse 2, the supper being ended, the devil now having put, having put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. This is not the, this is not a condemnation of John, but it is a temptation of John from Satan. The temptation is not the sin; it is the yielding to the temptation that is the sin. He he is in the presence of the light of the world, don't you know? And all it takes is a, is a turning from Satan to the Son and allowing the light of Jesus to flood his heart and he's saved for all eternity. He walks in the light. And not, but instead, it's in his heart. You ever let it fester? You ever had a, you ever had a, had a place that you let let get infected and it festered, and a little old 
a little old something that shouldn't have mounted to anything becomes a crippling thing in your life. That's what he's that's, that's what you see in this passage. Jesus said, I'm telling you beforehand. He hasn't he has not yet betrayed me. I'm telling you beforehand, and about that time the devil said, You can betray him. You need some money. That bag won't carry you very far, but you can get some more money. And it begins to fester. I'm not preaching on this, but that's the reason when you pass the magazine stand at the drugstore, you ought to look the other way. Don't let that seed get planted that you'll fester on. When you, when you pick up your phone and that, that website comes up, you ought to erase it. Throw it away if you can Get it out of your You don't know whether you can withstand the temptation or not. When someone says one beer won't hurt you, you ought to say, yes, it will. It'll draw my heart. And I'm liable to give in to the temptation of Satan. And Satan comes to dwell in me. I don't know what the sin is. It could be a hundred sins or a thousand sins. He knows how to tempt you on your weakest point. The problem was, I don't have time to chase all the scriptures, but if you'll read those four gospels on this on this betrayal of Judah, of, of Judah, Judas Iscariot, if you'll just read the four gospels, you'll see how. It, grew it grew from chapter verse 2 of chapter 13 to verse 27 after the sop Satan entered into him it's not a temptation now it's in him Satan's living in him he's under the dominion of Satan now he's no longer his own he's thrown away his chance to be the child of God and now he's now he's trying to contend with the, with the stealer of souls. You can't do it. Romans says you're not equipped to battle Satan. It'll take Christ to battle Satan for you. you he said over there in Romans chapter 6, he said you don't, have to be, you don't have to be afraid of Satan because you've got the Holy Spirit living in you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. <clears throat> but if you throw him away and walk away, <clears throat> he went, he went, he went immediately out. I've got this underlined in red, and it was night. I heard the story of a little old boy that lived on the farm. Uh, maybe I've told it here before. I've heard the story of the little boy on the farm. Some of you were raised on a farm probably or around a farm. And his job was to do, 
he, he, when he got in from uh, uh, the activities of the day, his job was to go to the, down to the barn, do the chores, do his chores. Then he came in and went to bed. Y'all ever lived like that? I have. There was chores that I had to do, and, and we did them at night just before everything was shut down. And that night, on that old farm, you know, out on the farm there was, there was no lights. And we don't really know what darkness is. We've, we're so saturated with electric lights around us. We really don't understand total darkness, but if you lived on a farm a hundred years ago, you would. No light. And when the sun goes down, it begins to get dark. And you catch one of those nights when the moon is, is not out, it's really dark. Maybe the clouds are over, and it's, and it's dark. The little boy, Dad said, Son, did you get your chores did? He said, No, sir. He said, Well, you, you, you get your shoes back on, and you get out there and tend to, tend to your chores before you go to bed. In a minute, the little boy was back in. And... Uh, Dad said again, did you get your chores done? No, sir. He said, I told you to get there. You get your shoes on, get back out there and do your chores. In a minute, the little boy's back in. This time he's crying a little bit. Son, did you get your chores done? He said, no, sir. He said, why didn't you get your chores done? He said, Dad, it's too dark to go out there without a father. There's some places you don't need to go without the Father. It's too dark. Hey, you go over to Mark. Read Mark chapter 14 and get that picture of this denial. You'll see, you'll see him broken, carrying 30 pieces of silver, trying to give it back to the priest, trying to get the blood off of his hands trying to get the, the condemnation out of his heart. And the priests laugh at him. They don't care. They don't, hey, there's a crowd out there that doesn't care how far in the dark you go. There's a crowd out there that doesn't care if you, whether the Father is in your life or not. There's a crowd out there that doesn't care whether you're saved or not. They'll laugh about it, make mockery of it. And he threw down that silver and went out and hung himself. It's a dark hole that Satan will take you to. It's a very dark hole. When you come under the... Hey, think about this. The first drink or the first pill or the first whatever it is. And I got by with that. No, you didn't. Satan put it in your heart. He'll be back with a little more and a little more. And he'll take you as far as he can take you till he destroys you. It's a dark hole out there. 
he went out. Immediately he went out, and it was night. That's the reason I've got it. He left the fellowship of Jesus and the brethren. He left the light of the world. He has no light. He left the love, joy, and peace in the presence of Jesus. He left his only Savior. He left his last chance to be saved. I want to say he went out to deal with Satan. And he sold him for 30-something. Wasn't it? Surely he sold him for more than 30 pieces of silver. Why, you could buy a slave for 30 pieces of silver. Maybe he sold him for 30 caravan loads of silver. Maybe he sold him for 30 silver mines that'll last hundreds of years. Maybe, maybe he sold him for 30 worlds just like this world. He's worth at least that much, isn't he? Why'd you sell him so cheap? Because I didn't know what he was worth. Lost sinner, you don't understand how, how much he's worth. If you did, you'd get, you would get down to where he's at. You'd quit trying to bargain with the devil about what you're going to do with Jesus. You get into that bargaining table, you're going to come out a loser every time. I remember a friend of mine who, who, was, who tried to play that, what do you call that, Jeffrey? That market where they set buy and sell ahead of time on the, in the stock market. Futures. He got into the futures. And he would sit there and try to watch that, watch that, uh, those stock values, did it go up or did it make a blip? And if, if you're good, you can, at the blip, you make your buy. And then when it goes up, you sell and you've made money. Most people can't do that. He couldn't do that. He tried to compete with the big boys. He thought for a while he was pretty sharp, but he wound up with an empty bag. And that's a good picture of what happens with people who try to compete with the master deceiver of the universe. You can't outplay Satan. You think you're so cool. You think you've got everything figured out. He's fixing to throw you away like a paper bag. He, he, you, you can't. He didn't know the value of our Savior. Sold him way too cheap. But we sell him for a bottle or drugs or a midnight stand. 
Huh? What does it take for you to sell out? He wave a few bucks in front of you. Some super deal. What does it take for us to sell out? What does it take? Some, you know. Just give me a little success, a little popularity, and I'll sell out. So we come down to this. Will you betray him again? See, the problem was Judas had already betrayed him in his heart. He just hadn't made it public yet. And that's the way it begins with every one of us. Remember those days when we completely sold out to Jesus? I'd like to talk to us not about that, not where I was this morning. Hey, if you give him space, he'll take a little more space. You give him an inch, he'll take a mile. And you'll always be the loser when you play the stock market with Satan himself. You'll always come out. On the, on the low end. What are you going to do with Jesus? He's standing here. Can you see him? There's the fellowship table. Here's the disciples. He, he's already washed our feet. And now you can dip over in the dish. And fellowship with him. You know, sometimes back there in the kitchen when we're cutting up brisket or when we're cooking burgers on the grill, the cooks sneak off and fellowship around the, that stolen meat. It's just a little sweeter, isn't it, Brother Allen? It's a wonderful thing to be along with Jesus and his people. It's a wonderful thing to be in fellowship with the family. It's a wonderful thing to stand in the light of his presence and know him. Hey, Paul wrote that book of Galatians after after serving him years, after being in prison years, after being in shipwrecks, after being beaten and left for dead, he wrote, he wrote him. But still in Galatians chapter uh, 3, he said, Oh, that I may know him. Oh, I want to know him. Why do you want to know him, Paul? Because I have met him and talked with him and loved him and felt him. I, hey, here's how far I go. I'll be crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'll live. Yet not I, but it's Christ living in me. I mean, there's no, there's no place, there's no time, there's no pleasure 
that can take the place of that moment when I'm living in him and he's living in me. And it'll be worth a thousand worlds if I can just get to that place. Oh, that I may know him. Don't throw it away. Don't sell out too cheap. Don't let this world buy you off. But give your heart to Jesus. Now and tomorrow and next week, make him the very ultimate desire of your heart. Let him be first. You'll never be sorry. Let's stand. Father, thank you, Lord, for meeting with us today. Thank you for the blessing of knowing the presence. God, I just ask you to walk with us and talk with us. Show us yourself and lead us in the way that we should go. I just ask you, God, to help us. Help us not sell out too cheap. But help us to give you all that you desire out of us. That we could be your vessel of honor. That you would walk and work through us. Please have your way. We love you, Jesus. We love you and thank you for loving us. Thank you for those days you've washed our feet. Thank you for the times you've brought us back. Thank you for... The light you shine when we don't have any lights. God, please take charge of us now. Direct us and guide us and help us to be in communion with you tonight. Please have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Page 156.
blessing to see the LOLs uh, back together today. And I don't, I don't know what they're scheming about, but there's something going on back there. I can promise you that. Good to have Ray back with us today. And uh, everybody get by and say hi to her if you can. Thank you. I'm thankful to be part of this church. I'm thankful to be a part of the family of God. We say brother and sister around here. I love it. I'm thankful. Daniel and I had a great visit yesterday. You want to say something about it, brother? We talked to the old doctor. I got some pictures in my camera I'd like to show you. Eighteen-year-old boy in his sailor uniform. Going to win the war. A 96-year-old, going to be 97 pretty soon, right? Who still loves Jesus, loves to talk about it. I was asking, I was just asking questions. He said, let me just tell you my testimony. He said, I've got a unique relationship with Jesus. We meet every day. That's a wonderful testimony. I hope you've got that testimony. That old fellow's all alone most of the time. Just him and the Lord. He's got some family that deals with him, and he's got a tremendous nurse that takes care of him. You know it's the right kind of a person when when we're going to bow for prayer, and she says, "I, I got I, I want to get on this. It's quitting time for her, but she said, "I want to stay till we pray." Pray for him if you think of it. Jan tell you a lot more about it. If you want to talk to her about it, she'll tell you everything. What a blessing to have. Just be able to get under the influence of one of those greatest generation saints and let them just speak a little peace into your heart. Well, we love you. Can we break tradition? As soon as he gets through singing, Dan, would you dismiss us? When he gets through with this song, you dismiss us. This is my song.
blessings and forgiveness. Lord, thank you for speaking to hearts. One who hasn't responded yet, pray that you not let them down to so they can answer what you're dealing with them about. Pray that you bless us to go our ways this week. Bring us back to the point in time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.